Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers all with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug, and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. All right, welcome. We have a, a guest, as you can see. We're going to go right in. Our, our guest today actually went to school with me at Purdue. Uh, we did not know each other while we were there. Uh, is Kate, uh, Casey Welch. He played football for the football team and actually has gone on to start his own company called Tallow. It's a, uh, a recruiting uh, connection tool for students. So we'll go and get into that later. But Casey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me today. Before we get started, I'm going to ask you the same question I started when we had Bernard Pollard last year. Um, what dorm did you live in when you were there at Purdue? So I lived in Tarkington Hall. So did I. Wow. Small world. Uh, which, which floor? So I was on the second floor. And um, I think most of the football players stayed in Wiley. Yep. Since I was a transfer and a walk-in, I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was put over in Tarkington. So. I, I was on the, let's see, my first year in Tark, I was on the second floor northeast. And then the second year, I was in the first floor northwest. All I remember is cookie day. <laughs> I still haven't forgotten. That's right. In the, uh, the Tark Mart. Yep. Gotta love the Tark Mart. Sorry, Kate. She's rolling her eyes already and we're only like 30 seconds in. So anyway, um, so we, we invited Casey on just, I, I actually stumbled across in the, uh, the, the Purdue alumni magazine, which I happen to have on my desk just by coincidence right now that, uh, you know, in the class announcements that you had, had started your own company called Tallow. Uh, we'll get into that here a little bit later, but you know, real quick, we want to start and talk a little bit about your time uh, in football. You know, can you tell us a little bit about just like what it was like to get, um, you know, go through a recruiting process, having having scouts and coaches and and, and visit you? What what was that experience like for you? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I had a little different, maybe a little different um, recruiting than than a lot of the other Purdue athletes. Um, I was uh, I came from a pretty small rural town. Went to a public school and graduated with 
with 82 people. I think we had 22 people on my football team, and that was JV and varsity. Oh, wow. And, and uh, you know, my junior year, I, I actually only, since we were so bad, we got so far behind, I only ever attempted one field goal my entire junior year. So <laughs> um, when you talk about all these storied athletes and all their stats, you know, mine weren't really the best. And um, I was fortunate enough, though, to then go and, and go to some, some uh, more recognizable kicking camps. And so, you know, I was able to go to Penn State and I won their kicking camp. And then I went to Virginia Tech and I won theirs. And that really actually kind of got me seen and got me on the radar. And so, um, you know, at that time, I, it's weird. I think it's, it's, it's not that long ago, but it was kind of almost like at the beginning of cell phones. So you were still waiting every night for college coaches to call you and telling your parents to like let you in so you could talk and they would give you the weekly updates. But, um, you know, I, I had made a decision at that point. I had a lot of small school interest and, um, but my dream was always to, my dream was candidly always play at Penn state. And um, my family went there. That's where I wanted to go. It happened to have this little kicker that um, Kate may know in Chicago named Robbie Gold at the time <laughs> and uh, was, was a year ahead of me. So, you know, for those of you that went on, know, right, Robbie Gold went on to be the most accurate kicker, one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. Um, so he those dreams kind of got field too, which is not correct. a place to kick. Hey, us kickers, no respect on that side. Um, and, uh, you know, decided that, you know, I wanted to go to a big school. And so I got down to the spot where we had, you know, preferred walk-on spots at, you know, Purdue and West Virginia and Virginia Tech. And, and at that point, I decided to go to, to West Virginia University at that time, who Rich Rodriguez was the coach. And it was in his second season. And I was a little closer to home and had some connections there. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's a pretty surreal moment because, I, I never really played football till my junior year. I was a soccer player my whole life and that's what I thought I was going to do. And I got pulled over and then I got seen and like, this is, this is pretty cool. And um, really got that unique experience to get out. When, when you were at West Virginia was, uh, were, you, were you there at the time Pat White was there? Um, you should have been probably around that time. Yeah. So, so my class was there with him. I, I had left the year before he came. Okay. So, you know, we kind of came in the turnaround, had some pretty good seasons there in nine, 10 win team. Uh, that, that team in that class eventually went on to go to the sugar bowl and, and play on some pretty good groups. But um, it was a, West Virginia was a wild place. Um, I just saw a video the other day where they were showing some clips of, of Pat White and Steve Slayton. And that just, that combo is just unreal. It was, yeah, it was a unique time. I mean, they brought the, you know, they brought the, a different offense that Rich, Rich Rodriguez had bought that he tried to replicate at Michigan, but couldn't really ever pull off there again. But they just had, you know, some outstanding athletes and, um, you know, really built, built a really dynamic team. So what inspired you to switch over to Purdue? Yeah. So what had happened um, is, and, and this, this is a story I guess I really haven't shared, but when I, when I went to West Virginia, they had, a, they had a policy there that they would not scholarship kickers at that time. And uh, you had to earn it. And so, you know, going through that whole process and looking at other schools and turning it down, you know, I'd made the commitment and said, I, you know, I respect that. I'll, you know, come here and let me, let me try and earn it. And, uh, you know, I went there and I competed and uh, there was a senior kicker at that time who, uh, ended up winning the job that year. And, you know, he, same thing, he had earned his scholarship there and, and he went on 
And then the next going into that, actually going into fall camp in the summer. So this would have been in July. Um, they scholarship to kicker. And, um, you know, at, at that time, I, you know, I understood the direction. I kind of saw the writing. And um, that time I was a little, I guess, I candidly a little bit upset where I was sold to come there. And because, and that was their rule that they had always done. And when that happened, I said, all right, well, you know, maybe this isn't the right place, uh, you know, for me. And so literally at that time, there wasn't a transfer portal. And so it was a, I knew it was happening. I had made a couple calls. And at that time, actually, you know, Penn State said I could walk back on there and, um, you know, Purdue did. And at that point, I, again, I had my dream school ahead of me. And, you know, I kind of felt a little bit, um, you know, disingenuous to the, to the program at that point, to the colleges there. It was very tough to leave the people that, the, the classmates that I came in with. Um, but I knew if I wanted to play, it wasn't going to be there. And so, um, you know, Purdue had said, hey, listen, at that time, they, had, they were having some kicking challenges. This was just before Ben Jones had started. And they said, you know, we'd welcome you out here as a preferred walk-on. You know, that means you're going to come out and you're going to get a spot on the team, you know, for a year. And we'll see how it goes. I had never visited Purdue. I'd never stepped foot on campus. I uh, woke up and I was in the middle of a cornfield in West Lafayette. <laughs> and, and this is home. And uh, walked out and, and started right after camp. So you hear the term walk on a lot thrown around, but what, what does that actually mean? Do you just like, I mean, I, I, you're, you're not just going to like walk up to practice and say, hey, I want to you know, kick here. Like how did, how did that, like how do you get them to – one take you seriously enough to invite you to come out or, or you know, even offer you that, that spot to, to even practice and, and join the team? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, and there's a lot of misnomers to that. So if you think about it, typically when somebody gets a scholarship, right, it, it's, it's not guaranteed. I think maybe they are starting to guarantee them now, but it was, you're going to have a spot for four years on the team, right? That, and they have so many of those they can offer. They also have so many they can use for, a preferred walk-on spot, which means you're going to come here. You're not going to get any money. You're going to do everything that every other person does, lift the same weights the linemen do, and um, and we'll promise you a spot for basically a year on the team because um, they have a roster. And then there's the walk-on, like the Rudy story that everybody knows, where what they'll do is usually typically one time in the spring, they'll have a special walk-on tryout. So any you know, guy, girl, whoever can come, come show up that day and perform in front of the coaches and get a chance to earn a spot where then they can come back, you know, in the, you know, in that fall or that season. And then typically, um, you know, they're not necessarily grandfathered in. You got to almost have a pretty significant role. And that's the, that's the true walk on that happens. So they'll, they'll post it. They'll do a one time a year open posting, or sometimes you'll hear, Kickers seem to be the one rare spot where if there's a big challenge during a season and they don't have it, they'll just all of a sudden open up an open kicker enrollment. I've seen a lot of universities do that. And, you know, the kid comes out and kicks it and then goes plays that week. It's just this, you know, being, you know, from a watching from a couch perspective, you, you see like, I, I don't think it's as bad, but there, there seems like there was some points where these kicker was an afterthought to them. It's just with, with so much riding on the line, you know, when, when a kicker is brought in late to kick that, you know, that 50 yard game winner and how many times you see that kick blocked or shanked, it's like, 
you would think some of these coaches would have learned by now that it's like, you got to put some effort into this guys. It just, it's from my perspective as an ignorant fan, it just seems like it's not taken seriously enough in some cases. Well, you, you'll see, you know, some, some coaches pride themselves on special teams. So, you know, one of the best in the country was Frank Beamer at Virginia tech. They're known for their special teams. They scholarship kickers there. Fortunately, they scholarship somebody just before I was, <laughs> I, they, I, I showed up at their camp. Um, you know, Urban Meyer, he puts his best athletes on special teams, right? So some of them really take it seriously and some of them go, yeah, it's a kicker. Um, you know, it, cause it's feast or famine. Nobody's usually like, Oh, it's okay. Kicker. You know, you either made it or you didn't. You're either, you know, a hero or you're a go. There's no in between being a kicker. And, um, but we do do the same thing that all the other athletes do. Like I said, I had to lift the same amount of weights. I had to do everything else that everybody else did. Um, so it's, uh, it's a unique position. Seems like a very, very high stress. <laughs> it's just your, I mean, at least with, you know, the other positions you're on the field regularly with kicker, you're just kind of chilling on the sidelines, you know, trying to keep your leg warm. And then it's like, okay, win this game for us. Let's go. It just ugh, gives me anxiety thinking about it. And I, you know, I never have done it. <laughs> you know, when you get to the, that level of a Purdue or an NFL, it's really less like everybody's talented at that level. It really is a mental game, right? You know, everybody's seen all the movies of kickers, right? Ray Finkel, you name them, right? All across the board. And it really just becomes, it is truly, as you mentioned, it's a mental game at that point. Can you be ready to go in when you don't know that's going to happen? You know, hence, you know, my one claim to fame, right? <laughs> at Michigan State, I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, you just got to be ready and then you got to pray like heck you make it. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, I think I told this to you, Kate, but uh, what Casey's referring to is he kicked a game-winning field goal in a Purdue-Michigan State game, uh, which was fantastic because my wife went to Michigan State. I don't think she was actually physically at the game that day, but I actually had driven up from West Lafayette with a friend of mine to go to that game, so I was in the stands for that, and it, it's still fun just to say, but the bad news is that was actually the last time Purdue beat Michigan State in football, and that was like, what, 14, 15 years ago? <laughs> oh, I saw that, that the other day. They were like, oh, the last time we beat it, and it was – and I saw it because like, I got an alert that I came up on something, and I'm like, are you kidding me? That is the last time we beat Michigan State. Like, that's, not a, that's nothing I want to be proud of No, it's, that part. Of it. it's, uh, and the thing is, though, ever since they, they split the conference – you know, they, they play Michigan State two years, and then they don't play them again for another two years. So it's it's not like they've lost, you know, 14 straight games. They've lost like yeah. seven, which is still bad. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark D'Antonio really had their number for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was uh, – like I said, I can say I ended my career with a with the best, best percentage in college football history. <laughs> one for one, Kate. That was it. But uh, – it was a good one. It counted. So, so what did you end up doing after college? Career-wise, Kate? Yeah. Yeah. So right at that time, what had happened was I, I had graduated and um, I had, you know, at that point I was making a decision on saying, do, I, again, I really didn't have ever aspirations or really have the ability to kick in the NFL. At that time, NFL Europe was going on, though. And so I thought this is going to be a really unique opportunity. So I started to train, then that folded. 
And uh, I'm like, all right, that goes. And uh, at that point, I was okay with hanging things up. You know, I had, I had accomplished everything that I wanted to do in football. My dream was not to go around the Canadian Football League or even try that part. I'd enjoyed it and it was, you know, to go make a living. And so I actually went and went into a technology leadership development program for Citigroup. So it was a rotational program where you got to work in different parts and you went on a CIO or a CTO track, which, you know, led me to uh, Chicago to participate in that. And I was doing um, uh, global security for um, Citibank um, and, and ended up doing that for, for five years right outside of, uh, of college. So the big transition question is, how did Tallow come into play? Yeah. So piggybacking, right? That was my first five years, right? Mm -hmm. in, in doing that. And, and I really got to a point where, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't love what I, what I, what I was doing. And um, I said, you know, what else is there? And so I, at that time, I was actually working with a company doing technology commercialization for the government. And um, one of the major, so taking technology out that people have paid for and taking out the commercial markets and helping it was, it's pretty interesting and creative. But one of the things they were talking about was the shortage of that time of, of people going into STEM related fields. So science, technology, engineering, and math. And as you can imagine in, in the Department of Defense, um, this was a huge issue. You had an aging population. Um, you also had the factors of um, the biggest challenge that many companies were saying was the first time that they ever saw the person that they were gonna hire was at the college job fair. And at that point, what they were, what you're going to get is what you're going to get at that point. So either A, they didn't have the skills, B, they weren't U.S. citizens, so they couldn't hire, and C, there was just a shortage. And they really said, we, we know what we need from employers' perspective, whether you're Boeing or whoever. We wish we could get that message to them earlier and say, these are the types of skills we're looking for. These are the types of degrees, and this is the way to get into it. But we have no way to connect them, connect them because the first time we see them is at Purdue's engineering roundtable. And it's too late at that point to change. And so in doing that, you know, part of my background was also in education. And we said, you know, how do we solve this? And, um, you know, one day we were sitting around myself, uh, another person that helped founded the company that was from education that said, listen, in education, we have a lot of great students, but they don't know what opportunities are out there, right? We work, I worked with a person, the other co-founder on the business side that said, we know what those opportunities are, but there was nothing that brought them together. And that's when we were, you know, I was sitting around and I said, you know what, if there's a seven foot tall guy or girl in Indiana that's in ninth grade and can dunk a basketball, everybody knows where he or she is, right? Just like people knew who I was when I came from a small town. And we said, why isn't there that for the engineer? Why isn't there that for the welder, the technician? There's no ways for them to be seen. Sports is always the great equalizer, right? You can come from a very um, disparate background or socioeconomic challenges, right? And come out and get seen because of your athletic ability. And we really looked and said, you know, why don't we replicate what's do being done in the sports world, right? Just like what Rivals.com did or what we did, you know, as athletes to be seen. There were platforms for me to get noticed, but there wasn't for something that is far more important than sports, which is the career that you're going to end up in. And so there were all these geographic areas or challenges. And we said, let's, let's do that, right? Let's create a way where I don't care where you come from in the country. We can help showcase your skills and abilities. 
that maybe are not on the football field or on the basketball court and and connect you with the opportunities no matter where they're at. And um, that was really the impetus of saying, you know, why don't we create, at that time it was a company called STEM Premier. We focused traditionally on STEM talent. Now we we transitioned that and took and took that in and you know transitioned it into tallow. And in doing that, you know, we really changed the game because if you think about it, um, I shared with you earlier that I had no intentions of playing football. What happened to me was I was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And in February, I got a, what I know now is a completely boilerplate letter from a small college in New York called Canisius. Not many people know what that university is. Nope. And all it said, right, was, hey, keep us updated, you know, as you go into your season. I got so excited. I went outside, I shoveled the snow, and I started kicking footballs in my backyard. Because that was the first moment where I said, somebody saw me, and I never thought I could play in college, and gave me a chance. It inspired me. I worked harder. I eventually got more letters and more letters and more offers. And we said, how different is that than if, you know, DJ or Kate today, you went home and checked your mailbox and, uh, and you put out a letter that said it was from Google. And they said, hey, we're interested in you. We'd like to have a conversation. How's that going to make you feel? Pretty good. After the initial right. shock, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Right. It, it's a pretty cool feeling. And it doesn't matter what age you are. That's still a good, good feeling. And that's what sports has always done. That's why it's been an equalizer. But then how do we help, again, the greater population and get rid of that, those challenges from education and corporate world and bring them together and be an intermediary? And that's really what Tallow is doing. So now it doesn't matter where you come from anymore. Your skills and abilities get seen and we can connect you with colleges and companies no matter where you're at in the country. And, you know, that was really the main impetus. Um, what drove me to really do it is I talk about coming from that small town. Um, a lot of my friends are still there in that town. And um, that town has less than 2,500 people. And they're doing something that they don't love to do. And they're never going to get out because mm -hmm. nobody ever saw them for what those skills and abilities were because they weren't on the football field. They were in the classroom. You know, they were in the, you know, with the computers, the technology, different areas like that. And unfortunately, they're never going to get out. And we said, how can we, how can we change that paradigm? How can we give people opportunities and let them decide what's best for them? And um, that's, that's the tragedy. Most people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I understand completely. I, I come from a, a Midwestern farm town in Indiana outside of, of West Lafayette. And a lot of people don't leave. They, it's, there's a lot of multi-generational people there that their family came in for whatever reason and they just stayed. And, you know, there's like the, the Chrysler transmission plant is in the town and they just, they, they don't leave. And, you know, in my case, I, I have not disclosed this to many people. I wanted out so bad. I did not want to be one of those people that I actually had a contract job where I was not guaranteed income beyond three months. And I ended up leaving and going to Chicago, not knowing what my income was going to be like three months from now with basically nothing in my savings account. And like, I'm hoping I can find a job here. Otherwise I'm going to run out of money and I'm going to have to have my parents come and pick me up and bring me home. And, and fortunately, I mean, it worked out for me, but I mean, that was, 
it, it was an amazing risk to take, but at the same time, it was, it was very stupid. Uh, I, I can't believe I did that, but I mean, it, it, it set motion everything. Like I, I had to bet on myself. And, and if I would have had a platform like that going back 15 years ago, it probably would have made that risk a little, little bit less crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you know, you were fortunate enough and you took that chance, right? You know, I took a chance of going to a school in the middle of a cornfield. And, uh, and, but like you said, it'd be a little different though, if you were in Indiana and you said, you know what, I'm open to going to the Chicago area and this is what I'm doing. Are there different things that I could get connected with, you know, different companies, different awareness. Like we work with Walmart, you know, a lot of people, when I say Walmart, right. The first thing that comes to their, their mind is a greeter. You know, what people don't think is Walmart is the, one of the largest it employers in the world right? Doing some of the most innovative things and in everything that they do. The problem is people don't know that and they don't know that. And they say, how can we get this brand to tell these students or whatever it is, there's a lot of opportunities. But the problem is, is companies, you can't, they can't get to every school, right? DJ, they couldn't get to your school. They couldn't get to my school. Kate, I'm not sure about yours. The same with colleges, right? They can't get to everywhere. And that's really unfortunate. But we said, what if there was a way that you could get to all of them. You know, what if there was that, that way where you could have that, you know, coach come into your house or whatever that is that came in sports. And why do we use technology to be that equalizer? Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, that's, what's been excited. That's what's driven us. And it's, it's, it's no different than athletics. It's very similar. So you mentioned you work with Walmart. Who, who what other companies are you, are you working with? Yeah. So we work with, you know, again, companies like Walmart, um, Boeing, right? So, you know, Boeing's an interesting one. A lot of people think Boeing, especially if you come from Purdue, mm -hmm. and the first thing you think is aeronautical engineers. Yep. You know, I can tell you, um, we have a, we, they build the Dreamliner here in Charleston, South Carolina, and Boeing hired 7,000 people. And uh, there was an assumption that went around that said uh, that well, a lot of people thought, well, to work there, you have to get a four-year aeronautical engineering degree. It was a technical assembly plan. Out of 7,000 people, they hired like three aeronautical engineers, right? They needed people to go through and go through a year and a half program at the technical college and come right into there and have a great career for the rest of their life. So, you know, we work with companies like that. We work with, you know, BMW. We work with, um, you know, different, different IT employers, healthcare, um, Toyota, uh, you know, different ones across, uh, across the range and gamut. Uh, amazing and and how like what what kind of a period was this from like i have this idea to today like how how long did this take you to get to this point well that's a whole nother story <laughs> um we failed some right so um again because we work with employers but we also work with colleges right so we work with the clemsons and the penn states and the ivy techs in two year and four years to also make that connection through it all so they can find talent to recruit in as well um but we started about seven and a half years ago from idea, you know, launched it about six and then um, failed a little bit at first, right? We, we, we mimicked the sports world, but we thought it would be a great idea to not only charge the colleges and companies, but also charge the students to come on to it. Um, you know, in hindsight, I can laugh about that because it was probably one of the dumbest things we ever did, you know, to be able to drive it. Um, but, you know, then we got, we got removed that we did it tactically. And, and really once we got going and figured things out, DJ, we really built it 
you know, over the last three and a half years to, you know, now nearly, you know, a million, you know, a million users across the country in all 50 states and two out of three high schools and most of the universities across the country. That's very, um, very cool. But we failed before we won. I mean, we're, we're technically, okay, what is this, year five for us? And we had a complete, complete shift about three years ago. And that took about a year and a half to finally, like, start to make sense. I mean, it was, I, I completely understand your pain. I mean, we, we've gone through the same thing. Not, not quite to a million users at our level, but we're, we're in the, going the right direction for sure. It's yeah. It's a long journey, and it's if you don't pace yourself and and prepare yourself that those failures are going to happen. There's there's no way around it. It's just you know, as long as you don't lose your home, your car, your family, yeah, that's uh, you'll recover. Yeah, entrepreneurship is not sitting in a coffee shop. You know, I know they paint that picture a lot, right? But there's a lot of tough things that I know you all have done that we all do that doesn't get seen. Um, but if you love what you're doing, you can get through it. And, you know, if you don't try, if you don't fail, you're not trying, right? And when you run out of those ideas, that's when you really have a problem. For sure. So one last question, then I think we'll turn it over to Kate for her five, five fun fast facts. I always get that wrong. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it right. Or at least that's what's on my wall today. Okay. <laughs> the segment name changes every time, I guess. So. So where do you see yourself going from, uh, you know, from this point forward in the next couple of years with, with Tallow? Yeah. Um, well, I think in the wake of everything that's going on, it's been a really unique time to have a virtual connection platform. Um, so, right. So, you know, our users have really spiked over in wake of this and, you know, and I mean, it's, it really fundamentally has changed the game, right? Because if you cannot, you cannot connect in person anymore right now, right? It's going to be virtually. And so, you know, what, where I see us in the next couple of years is I've talked a lot about students in the early population, but another area that we've kind of been called into and brought into is how do we support this economy that just got, just got rocked, right? Um, how do we support that adult that now, you know, their industry is no longer going to be there and how do we help them, right? How do we help people even, you know, just like students don't always know what they want to do. Well, if all of a sudden, you know, today I'd say, hey, DJ, right? This isn't going to work. Your other job's not going to work. You got to go into a complete career shift. What are you going to do? Right? That's what 30 million people just got hit with over the last six weeks. And so trying to help that population to be able to say, you know what? It's going to be okay. We're going we're gonna to start to serve you as well and try to connect you into these opportunities that might actually turn out better than before. Um, you know, when you talk about the hospitality industry and those types of ones that got hit, how do we transition? Hospitality has a high correlation to healthcare. Healthcare is going up, right? And so you're going to see tallow really start to play a bigger role in that continuum up through um, to really also help in that, you know, that technical, that transition phase. You know, just like we've been helping students, we want to do the same for some of those populations in the adult, those ones that want to go back to school, right? They want to, they want to change. They want to better themselves. We want to be a platform to help them, you know, not the ones that are on LinkedIn from a networking capability, but the other populations, you know, the welders, the technicians, you know, the IT people. Um, how do we help and serve them? And that's where we want to be at Tallow and really continue to build this community of connection 
and helping people to get into, you know, a job that their skills align to and a location that they want to be living a lifestyle they want to live, you know, that makes for a pretty happy employee. Happy employee makes for a happy workforce. And that's, you know, that's what we all aspire to do. So Tal is going to continue to go up that stream and serve this continuing population um, and, uh, you know, see what we can do. It's awesome. All right, Kate. Let's start with my fun fact fact. Wow, fast fact. Kate can't even say it. I'm going to change today. Okay, so first one. If you were a vegetable, what would it be and why? Vegetable I would be would be a potato because I really enjoy french fries. <laughs> What's your favorite inspirational book? Um, my favorite inspirational book right now is a, is, a, is a book called Leadership. And it talks about looking at the economy in a, in a different way and how you need to lead your team where sometimes you got to step into the unknown and that's how innovation happens. And how do you do it while not being a distraction to a company. So um, it's uh, something I'm trying to get better at. What is your go-to takeout order? Uh, I'd say it's a tie between chicken wings and pizza. <laughs> Both are good. Yeah. What song would be your theme song? Ooh. <laughs> what song would be my theme song Kate that's a tough one um geez there's a lot um man Kate you got me this is a deep question <laughs> I've been answering a lot today she you know, usually like, gets okay. the person by the third or fourth one I, it's it's fun doing this by video now because I can actually see the facial reaction of the person when they when they see the question you, you can see me like cringe <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have a great answer for you. I feel like I'll be stereotyped if I do it. <laughs> Any other fun fast facts? So our last question, we'll just go to that, is one piece of advice to a high school senior. I think the best advice to a high school senior is, um, you know, 70 to 80% of people change their major it's 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 not the end of the world um and it's okay to change right we all do that um right i did it i was gonna be an orthodontist kate not an orthodontist now um and it's okay it, it's okay to change it's okay to um it's okay to change and I, and I think to the high school seniors right now they are going through something that um no other generation ever has and, you know, just like in football, when you bring in a class, you know, your, your, your class, you get really close with, just like in high school, sports, whatever it is, they are going to have this unique bond with the 2020 graduates, unlike anybody else. And I think that is something that they need to connect. They need to hold on to the rest of their life because they're, how they react and respond to this, um, is going to be how, you know, really sets the precedence for future generations. So, you know, in, in short there, Kate, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out right now, right? You need to be thinking of it. It's okay to change. 
Um, that's not a bad thing. We all do it. And we have a lot of pressures in life. You know, this is something, Kate, that I share with my team. There's a lot of things we can stress about. Stress about the things you can control and not the things that you can't. Um, if you look at that in general, that helps take out a lot about it. So just think to yourself, if I can make a difference and change this, maybe we're stressing about. If this is completely out of my control and I can't do anything about it, try not to stress about those things. That's great advice. So as we uh, wrap up today, let's uh, plugs. What do you got for us? So um, as far as plugs, again, I, I think when we think about it, right, if you know anybody out there, whether they're, you know, you know, high school students, college students, or, or that adult that are going out there and they're looking for a place to showcase themselves. Also with the financial situations, if they're looking for scholarship dollars, other opportunities like that, you know, would love to, would love to have you on Tallow. Um, you know, colleges and companies, if you're looking to find that, that great rock star recruiting class, um, we can help connect you there. And uh, companies as well. There's a lot of ways to connect during this time um, in virtual. You just go to tallow.com, T-A-L-L-O.com, and get started. It's easy. And students and talent, there's no cost. It's free. So get on there, start showcasing yourself, brush up that resume if you need, and uh, you know we're happy to help connect you with opportunities. Awesome. All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap up today. Casey, thank you for being on the show and Boiler Up. I have to say Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm obligated to say that. <laughs> Kate rolls her eyes. <laughs> Actually, our, our intro song, we have, uh, we play like a little clip of something they said. And I actually pulled this from our interview with, with Bernard Pollard. And, and we were going, Bernard and I were going back and forth about football. And I go, Kate, you still there? And she made some comment about like, I didn't go to a school with a college football team. So I just kind of zone out. <laughs> so. Sorry, Kate. Sorry, Sorry, I'm I'm cool. sure Bernard was way more entertaining than me too. He's a trip. <laughs> Oh, I still. Don't worry. I asked him what his Taco Bell order was. Oh, that's right. I thought he was a pizza. He's a Pizza Hut guy. I think Pizza Hut guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah, call him out on that. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I. I still get comments on that, and uh, and I have a couple of of um, New England Patriot friends that that didn't have very kind things to say. <laughs> He's uh he's still public enemy number one up there, but hey, you know what? That's that's from my standpoint, that's pretty awesome. Hey, I'm a Steeler fan. We appreciated that. <laughs> I said I roomed with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, thanks for being on the show and give us a follow at Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Stadium underscore scene on Instagram, and sign up for our network at stadiumscene.tv. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.